0: So we are about to launch into, well not about it, we're doing it right now, a new series that we've entitled Rhythms of Grace or the Rhythms of Grace. How to discover and walk in God's rhythms of grace. And it's tied to our key verse and theme for the year. And if you're not familiar with it, I'm going to remind you of it. And it's from Mark 3 verse 13 to 15. It says, Jesus went up a mountain and He called to Him those He wanted and they came to Him. And He appointed twelve that they might be with Him. I love that. That it might be with Him and that He might send them out and to have Authority. He called to him those he wanted and they came to him is really what we're going to focus on in the first part of our theme for the year. And we've broken that down, those verses, into three key things that we want to address this year. Knowing Jesus, growing in Christ and then being sown into Our world, our situations. So knowing, growing and sowing. And this is kind of focusing a little bit on the knowing part of it. The series entitled Rhythms of Grace. But I highlighted out of that passage, he called to him those he wanted and they came to him. He called and they responded. And I believe in the series and in this message today that you're going to hear a distinct call of Jesus to your heart. Perhaps you don't know Him as Lord and Saviour and it's going to be that response, that calling Him you into a relationship with Him. And at the end of the service, we're going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to respond. God's been working in your life. But whether you have been following Jesus for decades or just in the last year, a few months, whatever it is, I believe today God's gonna call to you. Jesus is gonna call to you and He's looking for a response. He called, they came to Him. They responded to what He was wanting to do in their hearts and lives. But coming to the thing of the rhythms of grace, there's a wonderful passage in Mark 11 28 to 30 and many of you be familiar with it and I'm going to read it from the NIV but I also love it in the message uh, paraphrase and we're going to touch on that, in fact that's where the title comes from, Rhythms of Grace. Again Jesus extends an invitation, He says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There are three distinct things that Jesus calls us to in this passage. The first is kind of central to what I've already introduced. He says, come to me. Come to me. And this is so radically different from the other rabbis and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the lawyers of the time in, in, that Jesus is ministering. They basically said, go and do stuff. Now, to be fruitful as a Christian, we should be doing stuff, but it doesn't come from our effort, from legalism. It's not go do. Jesus says first, come to me. First, come to me. You see, discipleship, the whole thing of following Jesus is a relationship before it ever becomes an activity or a task. It's a relationship. Come to me, he says. Then he says, take my yoke. And probably most of us think of a a yoke with oxen in it, but it's actually not what it's speaking about. To take a yoke in that day meant to take on a rabbi's teaching. It was called taking a yoke. I'm going to commit myself to that rabbi's teaching. And again, Jesus is radically different. The other rabbis would stand particularly around the temple on the Huldah gate gates and the steps going up there. And they would speak and people would kind of shop around which rabbi's teaching they liked the most and then attach themselves. And the rabbi was fairly indifferent to who was following them who was taking on their yoke of teaching but Jesus says to you come on come to me I've got something that will refresh your souls and transform your lives I've got something that will cause you to live with intention and with purpose I've got something that will help you fulfill your destiny come to me and take my yoke And the teaching yoke of the religious leaders was an endless list of laws, rules, expectations that no one could measure up to, not even themselves. By contrast, Jesus says, my yoke is easy. And the word is best understood as it's not ill-fitting. It will match your life, it will challenge you, it'll inspire you, it'll motivate you. But it's not a a, a legalistic yoke. It's not a rules and regulations yoke. It's a relationship and that out of that, you will be and be able to live your best. And so to take His yoke literally means, Jesus, I have decided to follow You and do what You say I should do. I will follow You and Your teaching. And then he says, come to me, take my yoke. And then he says, learn uh, from me. And and trying to fix ourselves to be better people is a burdensome business. I won't ask for a show of hands of people who made New Year's resolutions and then ask how many of you are still doing them. (laughs) And and, and it's like that across the world. And some people achieve, and if you're one of those... We respect you. You can come and tell us how to do it. But that learn of me, Eugene Peterson in the message paraphrase uses this. He says, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. And that phrase that he penned, going back to the meaning of the Greek words, has exploded across this world. The thought that Jesus invites us into a kind of learning where you learn the unforced rhythms of of grace. I just love the sound of it. The unforced rhythms of grace. And Jesus invites us to be with Him, to, as we with Him in the encounter, we are transformed, we are challenged, we are inspired, we are equipped, but it's in the relationship with Him. An encounter where we get to exchange crippling legalism for real life and endless striving for real rest. But one of the ways that God does that is through us learning some habits that invite God's grace into our circumstances. And that's what we wanna speak to in the rhythms of grace. What are the rhythms of grace? And they're called spiritual disciplines. And right there, I've lost some of you. you got, there goes the discipline there. Now please, we're online here, lean into it. Spiritual disciplines. And I wanna explain that because that's what we're gonna address in the first few months of this year. Some spiritual disciplines that allow you to enter into the rhythms of God's grace. And they're not just attitudes, They're not just beliefs. They're anchored in that, in beliefs, biblical concepts. But they are actually things that you do. But they're not things you do to earn God's approval. They're things you do that invite God's grace into your circumstance and into your life. You see, in 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 and 8, Paul speaking to Timothy and encouraging him says, these words, get into training in godliness. And I wanna get you to get training in godliness, not legalism that earns your way to God, but now that you are in a relationship with Jesus founded completely on grace and all that He's accomplished on the cross in His death and resurrection. He says, because you in that, now train yourself in godliness. And he goes on to say, physical exercise, you see, has a limited usefulness. Now that's not an excuse not to exercise. That's <laughs> ready. No, I'm not going to do that. Bible says limited usefulness in the it, No, it'll help you. It'll help you. It'll energise you. Not becoming weird. And anyway, we aren't going to that. He says, getting to training in godliness, physical exercise, you see, has a limited usefulness. But godliness is useful in every way. It carries the promise of life both now and in the future. So in trying to explain or define what a spiritual discipline is, a spiritual discipline is something we do that enables us to do what we haven't been able to do in our own strength Or effort. It was a bit complicated, wasn't it? We'll try that again. But I want you to catch this because it goes to the rhythm of grace. It's not a legalistic thing, it's not a rule or regulation. It's a discipline we add to our lives. A spiritual discipline is something we do that enables us to do what we haven't been able to do in our own strength or effort. Or to put it another way, it positions you as you do one of these spiritual disciplines and add them to your life. It positions you in a place where God's grace can work in you and where God can transform you. So spiritual discipline is not earning your way to heaven, earning uh, God's pleasure. He loves you, earning God's love. It's none of those things. But it's something you do on a regular basis That puts you in a position where God gets access to your heart, to your life, and can begin to change and transform you. The Apostle Paul captures this concept brilliantly in Philippians 2, verse 12 through 13. And if you're wondering what the reference behind it is, I always try and put the the Bible... That a uh, translation that I'm quoting from. And NIV is New International Version and AMP is Up, Amplified Bible. And, and I, I kind of merged the two together because the way that was, from, you'll understand. So Paul says continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. All you know is he doesn't say work for your salvation. He says, now that you are saved, now that you are in a right relationship with God through everything that Jesus did on your behalf, he says, continue to work out, not work for, but work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Not in your own strength, for it is God, who is all the while effectu- effectively at work in you, energizing and creating in you the power and the desire, both to will and to work for his good pleasure, satisfaction and delight. He says, work out your salvation. And as you're doing that, God is actually working in you to change your heart, to change your attitudes, to, to give you desires and longings, to walk in His ways, to, to break free from the things that are by holding you back and stepping into the fullness of all that He has for you. So this whole idea of work out your salvation and these spiritual disciplines help us to work out our salvation, and you're going, what are they? What are they? Well, they're ancient. They tried. They tested. They've worked for thousands and thousands of years for people who love God, who, who want to see His best at work in their lives. And if you look it up online, uh, about spiritual disciplines from a Christian point of view, you'll find that some people say there's five. Other people take the seven. Seven. Because it's a really important number in scripture. And then others go eight because that's the number of resurrection. And then there are 12. And I came across one that had 20 and I liked all 20 of them. They were great. But we're going to kind of settle and uh, we're going to recommend a few books and uh, they might have slightly different ones but part of this whole thing. But Richard Foster in a book called The Celebration of Discipline and most of you haven't read it just because the word discipline was in the title. (laughs) But it's actually a brilliant book. Identifies a framework for spiritual disciplines and I like the way he orders it and we're going to kind of follow this and improve it. No, it's brilliant. He says there are inward disciplines, there are outward disciplines, and then there are corporate disciplines. So the inward disciplines are meditating on the Word of God, prayer, fasting. We're not going to announce when we're going to address that subject because you won't come. (laughs) And study of God's Word and, yeah, the study of God's Word. So those are the inward disciplines. The outward disciplines are simplifying your life. This is how you live life. Adding simplicity, which is a great biblical truth. And one that I think we need to just spend a bit of time in this year because our world has become so complicated and there's so much demand placed. Just being able to simplify your life a little bit. Solitude or just being silent. Finding those spaces in your life where you get renewed in God's presence. Submission. That's another one we won't announce when we're addressing that. But but submission, and, and it's a great biblical word. It can be misused. It can be distorted and misrepresented. But submission is a wonderful thing when you start first and foremost to submit yourself to God. Yield yourself to Him. Service. Is the other outward discipline and the corporate ones are confession and what they mean by that is the confession of your faith in song, in worshipping, activity, worship, guidance and celebration and I'm looking forward to doing one on celebration to stir some additional things in my own heart and life. So that's just a kind of framework and I thought I'd let you know about that. But here comes the question, what are you doing regularly to nourish your soul and grow in the knowledge of God. What are you doing regularly? And I'm tying it to the concept of the spiritual disciplines. And if you go, well, I don't quite know that one. I don't even know, well, we're gonna go there. Because this is not about guilt, but this is about discovering in these spiritual disciplines, a rhythm of grace. And as I conclude this, not yet, You'll understand, I'll give you a picture that they will just help you tap into the thing. Oh, that's what a spiritual discipline looks like and puts me in a place of grace. I discover a rhythm of grace. So spiritual disciplines are simple habits that almost seem unimpressive like turning on a light switch, which most of you don't even think about what's going on behind all of that and the power source and all the rest of it. You just do it. And the only time you notice is when you turn it on and the bulb's blown. Or like we've got in one light switch in our house, the switch is gone and we're still trying to find an electrician who's got time to come round and change one light switch. But anyway... Just thought I'd share my problems with you this morning. (laughs) But spiritual disciplines are these simple habits of grace that seem unimpressive, like a light switch kind of thing. But God in them stands ready to give light and impart His life into our lives. And and often you'll have a great moment, but it's kind of accumulative as well. It's like if if we went around the room and asked what you have eaten since the beginning. Now maybe you shouldn't start with the Christmas thing. Maybe we should start, you know, last year for the month of November. There might be one or two notable meals that will go, I remember eating that one. But there were a whole lot of other meals you just ate. They were good, hopefully. You don't specifically remember them, but partly you are here because you ate them. They just had an accumulative effect in your life, in adding something to your life. And then there are those special meals and those God encounter moments. But in the spiritual discipline of just doing it regularly is an accumulative effect that adds to your spiritual life and allows you to go into this rhythm of God's grace. Jesus spoke again, John eight twelve, to the people. He said, I am the light of the world and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. What a great phrase that is, the light of life. And the following, the walking is part of the spiritual disciplines, that whole thing. I'm on a journey with Jesus. Yeah, there's beliefs that are important, but it's not just that I believed something and now I don't do anything. It's in the following of Jesus, day by day, through some of these spiritual disciplines that you walk with Him and He talks to you and He speaks to you. And the impartation brings the light of life to your life. You see, spiritual disciplines connect us to the transforming power of the resurrected Christ. I love this passage and uh, I've got to be careful not to stray too deeply into it this morning. But in 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18 and in the context, Paul is comparing the transformation that Moses had under legalism when he encountered God and got the Ten Commandments, that his face shone with the glory of God. So much so that the children of Israel asked him to put a veil over his face. But then it says he kept it on because the glory had receded, but he didn't want people to see that it was gone. But then he says, but we have an opportunity, not under legalism, but under grace to encounter God. Listen to these words. We all, all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I want you to notice, it says in the encounter, in the beholding, whether in worship, through His Word, prayer, through fasting, those spiritual disciplines are the things that allow us to behold Him. And in that encounter, a transformation from the inside out begins to take place. Ever increasing glory and the Holy Spirit begins to work powerfully in our lives. So the clarion and the simple call that I want to extend to all of us this morning is how are we going to respond to Jesus? This year, how are we going to respond to Jesus? Remember those opening words from our theme verse for the year. He called those who He wanted to be with Him and they came. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and are heavy laden, and I will. Come, this clarion call of Jesus to each and every one of our hearts, no matter where we are in our spiritual journey. And like I said, maybe you haven't taken that full step of faith to trust Jesus for your salvation. Well, this morning is a great opportunity to get into a relationship with Jesus not through works and efforts, but by simply receiving, responding to him. Jesus went up a mountainside. I wonder if there were some who when he went up the mountainside thought that's a bit too much effort. That looks a little bit like hard work. I'm not sure I'm up for that this morning and missed out on an invitation. But we're not working for we are outworking something. Jesus says, come on, come on a journey. Let's, let's walk up a mountain. There'll be a bit of effort. And he called to him those he wanted and they came to him. A guy called Donald Whitney said this about spiritual disciplines. I just love it. Spiritual disciplines are ways we can place ourselves in the path of God's grace. Spiritual disciplines are ways we can place ourselves in the path of God's grace. In Luke 19, there's a series of miracles that are recorded. And there's one related to Zacchaeus, who's the tax collector. And he actually has a large tax collecting business. Uh, The phrase literally is he's a tax farmer. And he has others working for him. He's Jewish, but he's collaborating with the Roman government. He extorts people. He takes more than he should. You'll, if you read the whole story, that comes out that he's actually been exploiting his own people. And he is hated by his own nation because of his collaboration, because of the way he extorts, he demands more than even the Roman government because Rome said, to the tax collectors these tax farmers we want so much whatever you can collect over and above you can keep so you can imagine the exploitation that goes on he is not a nice man he's not a like man but he starts hearing stories about Jesus and he finds something begins to stir in his heart he can't go to the temple Because he deals so much with Gentiles, he's unclean. And if he were, he'd probably get stoned because he's so hated if he were recognised in the temple. So in every sense, he's kind of cut off from God. But he hears about Jesus. And he hears about this rabbi who's different. And his interest is piqued. And what God is actually doing is what he does for all of us. He begins to draw us by his spirit. There are those conversations that people have with you before you came to know Jesus or maybe you're right in the middle of that right now where you kind of think, I'm not even sure I know why I'm in church. I'm not even sure I know why I'm listening to this online. But, but there's something. there's been people who've kind of been stirring something up in my life. It's God drawing you and that's what's been happening to Zacchaeus. And he is, the Bible tells us, a very short man. And Jesus comes to town and he wants to see him. His curiosity is piqued and he can't see over the crowd. The crowd would probably kick him if he came too close to them. And he knows if I wanna see Jesus, I've gotta do something different. He can't force Jesus' hand, can't exploit him, but he can put himself by faith in a place where he knows God's grace is coming. And so Kiz runs ahead of the crowd. He knows which way Jesus is going and he climbs a tree so he can see Jesus. He makes an effort that puts him in the place where God's grace can encounter him through Jesus Christ. And that's a picture of what spiritual disciplines do. We make an effort to encounter Jesus through them. And when we do, the grace of God begins to reach out and touch us. Listen to these words. They're so wonderful. In Luke 19, verse 3 to 4, He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because He was short, He couldn't see over the crowd. He ran ahead and climbed a tree to see Him. Since Jesus was coming that way. And in the spiritual disciplines, Jesus comes that way. And Jesus stops the base of the tree and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to have a meal with you. It shocks all the religious people. It shocks all the people that... um, Uh, hates Zacchaeus and and, and, uh, and oppressed by the Roman government. How can he do this? And the the religious people make accusations against Jesus because of this kind of behaviour. He's a friend of publicans and sinners and notable sinners like tax collectors. They had their own category. If you read in the gospels, there were sinners and uh, publicans and tax collectors. Really, we won't make any comment, but anybody who works at the tax office today. Relax. And what I love about that is Zacchaeus made an effort to see Jesus. He probably never expected that Jesus would talk to him. And if he had imagined that, he probably thought he'd be yelled at and rebuked and criticized and all his sins would be named. But Jesus says, no, I just want to have a relationship with you. And that is at the very heart of our salvation is no matter who we are, how we come, what we have hidden in our lives, what we might be ashamed of, Jesus says, you made a bit of an effort, you responded, I'd like to have a relationship with you. It's as simple as that. And we respond to Jesus In daily devotions, in waiting silently in His presence, in putting ourselves in a place where we can just receive, in reading and meditating on His Word, we can respond in the worship songs, as we're going to get a moment, an opportunity to do soon. We can respond by lifting our hands in praise. And for some, that may feel awkward or different, but it's a biblical encouragement to lift your hands to the Lord. It's a sign of worship, of adoration, and also of surrendering, of yielding and receiving. We can respond to Him in thanksgiving and just yielding our lives to Him as best we know how. And sometimes we have to do it repeatedly because we take it back. And He says, no, come again. You can come again. We can respond to Him by simply stepping out on an altar call. And I just want to encourage this. And it was wonderful last weekend to see how many people just responded. And there's nothing more sacred about this strip of carpet down the frontier where you come and stand and present yourself to the Lord. We we're hoping this year to replace the carpet, yeah. And I was gonna get this bit cut out, chopped up in pieces and sell them as holy ground. No, no, no. There's nothing sacred about this bit of carpet. What is sacred is when you sense Jesus prompting you urging you, and you just step out. It's an act of faith. It's a way of responding. It's not the only way. I've listed some other ways. But it's just saying, I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I want to encounter you, Jesus. And the very walking. Jesus did things. I just want to tell you, He, he, He put mud on somebody's eyes who had no eyes. And it's a creative miracle going back to Genesis where God shaped out of the clay Jesus is claiming he's the creator. A man with no eyes—he creates eyes. But he says, "Go wash in the pool of Siloam." And I've been to the pool of Siloam. The, the steps down there, and there were no safety rails. Work, health, and safety. Jesus, be careful! And he goes down, and as he washes, you see, the touch of Jesus was powerful, but the act of faith that accompanied an action. And you can look at so many of their miracles. There was an action attached often to what Jesus asked. And that's what an altar call is. is just saying, God, I will respond to you. This is a step of faith. It's not that it's more sacred down here as we talked about, but I'm just willing to respond to you. There's a verse that captured my heart at the beginning of this year that I keep coming back to in terms of spiritual disciplines and that finding space in a day, simply to sit and just be with the Lord, whether it's 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever it is, if you can do long, great, but not making it legalistic. And I love it out of the, the Passion Translation paraphrase. Psalm 5 and verse three. At each and every sunrise, you will hear my voice as I prepare a sacrifice of prayer to you. every morning, I will lay the pieces of my life on the altar and wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. Those words just and you read another translation it's talking about waiting with expectation. I thought, Lord, help me with this. And I do do it every morning, almost without fail, but this brought into fresh expectation prompted, hey, rise up a little bit in faith. Expect the encounter. Be Zacchaeus, climbing the tree as it were so you can see Jesus. Each and every sunrise, you will hear my voice as I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. Every morning, I will lay the pieces of my life on the altar and wait for your fire to fall upon my heart.